Hello and welcome. My name is Assad. My name is Jamie. We're two surgical trainees in the north of England, and this is the podcast that aims to dissect, to probe, to anatomize, and analyze what it is to be a surgical trainee. Welcome to It's Always Sunny in Surgery. Do you want me to introduce it or have a few to? No, you go for it. Like, why, why break the habit of a lifetime, Jamie? I uh, know. Uh, yeah, we, we usually start with, with um, start relaxed. <laughs> um, okay, so this week um, on the podcast, we're talking about uh, work-life balance again. Um, and we have some very special guests with us, Mobin Kureshi and Tom Naylor. We're both orthopedic trainees in, in Manchester. Um, but the reason we've got them on is because they've both taken time out of training to accomplish um, things outside of medicine. I think it's probably best if we get you guys to explain what that is. We start with Mobin. Would you would you like to? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Thanks for the uh, intro. So I am currently ST6 in Northwest, and just over a year ago, I took two months out of training as out of program career break to um, go on a BBC's race across the world. My wife. He was also a psych trainee in the region. That was such a mega show. I was watching you and like vicariously, I was, uh, you were living the life I wanted to live. But I didn't, for the life of me, pick up on the fact that you were an ortho trainee, let alone an ortho trainee in the Northwest. Are you trying to say I'm not your typical uh, orthopedic uh, stereotype? <laughs> Yeah, basically, I don't know. Yeah. A compliment or is that an insult? I don't know. <laughs> Back when I was an SHO, which is a long, long time ago, and I did an ortho job, there were certain stereotypes about ortho, and they were like, they're the coloured chinos brigade, and, you know, they're the kind of briefcase wankers of the surgical world. Oh, right. <laughs> very, very polished, and you can spot, like, an ortho, ortho trainee a mile off. And to watch you guys like essentially not you know not mention it live life just seemed really counterintuitive and it's not even just ortho man like it's like surgical training it's just checklist this checklist this arcp like one lot of tick boxes from one place to the next to the next and then you rotate here when you've got more things to do and you rotate there and you've got more things to do and this just looked like you were living your best life doing the exact opposite of that to be honest it was an opportunity to get away from that routine and 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 life really it has been tick boxes from the moment you start well f1 really and it's arcp and it's do this and do that to try and progress and i mean ultimately i only took two months off in the grand scheme of things it wasn't that long of a period but it was nice just to have that extended break it looked like a lot of fun i watched um watched a lot of it um, but also, you know, it was kind of like the, the route that you did was like a series of checkboxes. You had to get to yeah, it's true, actually. Yeah. You're probably quite good. <laughs> I feel really good, actually, because I was, we watched season two of Race Around the World uh, during lockdown. And my wife and I were like, oh, we should apply. And then we saw season three and we're like, oh, shit. 
you've ticked that brown doctor northwest <laughs> never getting on now so um, you know our dreams are living on through you almost oh, oh, too kind of. <laughs> <laughs> you know when you see other people and they were racing yeah. you're probably all friends so i don't really want to like bad mouth your friends but like yeah. me and my wife nicknamed him uh uber kev because yeah. they were like oh we've got to get to the next checkpoint and then they'd just get like a 500 dollars taxi to yeah. middle of nowhere and then try and flag down a trucker and then you guys were just like should we go uh should we go stay in this cabin we can earn a bit of cash and we can sleep outdoors yeah why not should we go to this ranch i kind of want to go outdoors and you know and and then we'll go we'll go this guy's giving us lift and he wants to go skinny dipping in the lake are so good that you instead of racing through on a yeah. mad dash to the end you were like yeah. well we're only in canada for two months who knows when we'll get an opportunity to do that yeah we'll race but yeah. we can't live life yeah i suppose a part of it is uh and again i don't want to say anything bad about the other contestants but i think what worked for us and again it's uh something that we probably learned from work uh in and working in hospitals is that we were able to connect to people quite easily like we just have the ability to uh you know talk to people on a level or on their level or find out what they were like and it was a race at the end of the day but we wanted to go through each day and say we've had a great experience or we tried to anyway it wasn't always amazing it was quite tough at times but what was your favourite thing? There wasn't one favourite thing. I mean, it was, there were loads of things. I, I think going to Canada, which I would never have probably gone to or chosen to go to, because naively I just put it with the USA as a North America and it's all much the same and it has the same culture, which it doesn't at all. I was so wrong. Um, so to experience Canada and its differences across the regions, meeting the people, they're just such nice, lovely people as as was shown and displayed. And just seeing the landscape, uh, the way I describe Canada and some of its places, is like Scotland on steroids. It's just, you go around one corner and you see this amazing lake or a mountain. You go around another one and you've just seen a, a better one. And the, all the wildlife, literally everywhere. And it's, it was just like, wow. Like, obviously, we come, we're in Manchester. We're proper in a city, uh, you know, city dwellers. Uh, and we don't get out often, especially as trainees, right? <laughs> so like the closest thing you see to wildlife is like an IVDU scurrying away around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, just being out in the wild for two months like was was incredible. It was refreshing. Um yeah, it didn't feel like a holiday, which was which was a is a weird thing to say. It wasn't meant to be, obviously, but that's all we ever do, right? We when we get time off, we will have one week, two weeks, and it's like it's both, we, that's all we can do. So it was just spending a lot of time uh, not feeling like you need to get back to work or oh, it's just another week and I've got to be back and on the grind again. You both certainly seem to like embrace the potential to do different activities and different, like really experience as much as you can from it, which came across really well on the TV show as well. Yeah. And I, I suppose that's what we wanted. I mean, I'm a bit of a thrill seeker, so I was up for the skiing and playing Whistler and getting on the plane and Zeno maybe wasn't and but she she's more of a like I don't know an animal person and wanted to you know get to know the locals and experience that side so we just we made a point of trying to have an experience at least every week cause, because it was there to be had. Do you think that you two actually became closer? It was it was it was really nice because it's probably the first time we've had to work together as weird as it sounds, uh, and make decisions that weren't, oh, what should we have for dinner tonight? Or 
where should we go to watch a film or whatever, etc. So it was like, uh, you know, trying to tackle the problem together. And it, at first we weren't very good at it. Like I think the first four or five weeks, we just never were able to get a jump on anyone. And then we figured it out as we went along and, and we recognised each other's strengths, which was amazing because we learned about each other. And uh, and yeah, I think it did make us a lot stronger and closer by the end of it. I think for me, there was, there was you and Zenob and then Mo and Laddie were probably were the nicest couples because you really, I think you really seem to embrace the spirit, like the idea of, yeah, yeah, we've got to get to the checkpoint, but we kind of also want to have fun. Like we're here to, to not, well, not fun, but like embrace what the, the, the wonder and the beauty of Canada and like yeah. meet people and kind of make the most of the experience. Cause if we get to the check, checkpoints fastest and we win every single time, then we've kind of missed the meandering path and not all who wander are lost type thing. Yeah, absolutely. It was part of our aim not to go there and 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 not experience things. Again, if you bring it back to work, you're constantly under pressure and probably stress and it becomes normal and we don't realise it. When you do have that time off, you're just recovering. So we just want to take that opportunity of this extended period of time to just try something different. And actually, it's probably changed us for the better. I'd, I'd encourage everyone to do it because you don't have that much time to, to do things that you want to do. Um, and now with the out-of-program options, they've essentially made it easier for you to take a career break uh, without having any real reason. So, yeah, it's there to be done. Do you, do you think it had a positive impact on your training? I mean, taking the time out yeah. may have interrupted things a bit, but... In, in general, do you think it helped in terms of, you know, your well-being and you as a person? Yeah, absolutely. I think, so I think the way to answer it is it didn't have a negative impact at all. Like, I didn't, when I came back, I didn't feel like I had uh, lost any skills. It was very much like, oh, back to normal. The first few days were a bit weird. I struggled to put on a, a tourniquet. Why well, have I forgotten to do this? But, you know, within a couple of lists, you <laughs> you back up to speed. Positive impacts. I just, it made me appreciate what I was already doing. And I think we probably get a bit burnt out, kind of get fed up at times and think to ourselves, why am I doing this? And actually, when you're away from it and you're away from the routine and get to reflect on what you actually do and essentially miss what you do, it brings a lot of appreciation. So, yeah, I've come back and and I've actually enjoyed the last 12 months or so, knowing that there's an exam looming, kind of like looking forward to getting it done and dusted, etc. Do you think that coming back from the show, coming back from Canada, has it changed your perspective or your outlook on time off? Since we've come back, I've done, I tra- trained it across Europe to Istanbul over four days, and which I would never have done previously. And in October, I'm going to China for nine days. I'm going to go trekking on the Great Wall of China. So if it's changed anything, it's the way I'm going to spend my time off. It's, it's looking for those opportunities and seek out um, experiences that I probably wouldn't have thought I'd have the energy for. So, um, yeah, what I realized is that we've all got hobbies and I've, I've got interests that are outside of work that aren't surgery related. And I think I'll make a, a point now of trying to, 
uh, do them more often. I suppose you're quite good at it now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Travelling. You think so. And uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think if anything, I just, the world's massive and we probably don't see enough of it. And not when you spend like 10 hours a day in theatre, are you? So, uh, I know, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'll give it over to you, Tom. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Are you able to tell us um, why we why we brought you on? You make it sound like blind date or like <laughs> door number two. <laughs> Single man, reveal yourself. That was, that was me confabulating blind date with take me out, which I shouldn't do. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so I'm Tom. I'm an ST5 in orthopedics in the Northwest. And Mabie and I actually did uh, the same core training together. But I took time out after core training mainly because I was, I was having that feeling of, yeah, tired of jumping through hoops, not satisfied with the job anymore. I knew that I still wanted to do orthopedics. Like that was always going to be what I did eventually. But I spoke to a few of the sort of senior trainees that I was with at the time. And express that concern of like, oh, I feel like I need some time out. Like, do you think it's worthwhile doing it between, doing it during? And they were, and they basically said like, once you get onto your specialty training program, it's kind of a conveyor belt. It's going to put you along. You're going to spit out at the end, and then you're not going to want to take time out because you'll want to try and get into your consultant jobs. So I kind of made my mind up to have some time out. Ironically, the job I was on at the time during like CT two and making that decision not to apply. Um, I was working with the TPD of the program as well. And he was kind of pushing me towards, you have to apply, just apply and get your number, apply and get your number, then I'll give you whatever time off you want. And I didn't believe him at all. I, I thought there's no way that's going to happen. So I was like, so I didn't apply for an ST job. And instead, I'd, I'd planned to take a year out to do some locoming, to spend some time with my family because I just had a little boy. Um, I was interested in sports medicine, so I was going to do um, sort of a postgraduate diploma in sports medicine and explore that a bit. And then in the process of like working up to that year, um, the opportunity came up to be on a TV show called Dancing on Ice, which ITV do. Because before I did medical school, I was a professional ice skater. Um, and then off the back of that, I had a couple of appearances on like This Morning as like a, a TV doctor role kind of stuff. And eventually sort of reapplied for ST training, got back onto the ST program. And they're just very happy to have had that time out, a different experience, and now be, be back doing what I always wanted to do. Tom, there's literally no competing with you at all. You're like a Grey's Anatomy fictional doctor. Like, you're ripped. You're handsome AF, right? You're a professional <laughs> ice skater. And you're like an orthopedic surgeon. And I can comfortably say that as like, you know, I'm a married man, my eyes don't wander around. How does anyone compete with with you? Like it's just ridiculous. You know what I mean? I made the really stupid mistake of assuming that oh, like ice skating, like figure skating. What do I know about that? Torval and Dean when I was growing up, but I never really yeah. watched them. I saw a few performances here and there. Blades of Glory, ha ha ha. Will Ferrell, that's yeah. funny. And then I watched some of your performances, and I was like, oh my lord, you are on two really super thin blades of metal, and you're lifting another human being. Just yeah. by your side and just carting them along the ice. You no wonder you do ortho, like you've you're built for it, you know, <laughs> with a hench's orthopod. <laughs> <laughs>
thing with the thing with that as well is like when the consultant says pull or like push hard like give that a push i'm like well i don't think you want everything like i don't think you want like, full power and yeah like, no, give it more I'm like all right this is coming more <laughs> i know because like you know it's like you're lifting that person clean above your head and some of the people i saw you skated with one the, the custom combination street i mean they're not they don't look like the leanest people i'm not trying to say that they're you know Massive, but the like, celebrities aren't built for figure skating, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think also with the dancing on ice, you were sort of helping them train as well, weren't you? At the same yeah, time. it's a long old process, really, because you you start in the sort of end of September, October time, and then that whole period from October through until when the show starts in January, you basically are training them the whole time. Mm-hmm. So you're working with them to help them progress in the basic skills, and then you're planning what routines you're going to do you're helping them to try and remember the routines because that's a big part. Like when you do it for a job, figure skating, learning routines and dance routines and stuff, you just pick things up really quickly and you just remember it like a script. The live shows start in January. You do one of them every week until March and then you finish and it's all wrapped up. So yeah, it's it's quite a process that I don't think people realise how how much time it takes because even now people at work will say, are you going to be on this year's show? Are you going to be on next year's show? And I'm like, well, well, no, because it means that from October through to March, that's like all you do. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, you must take a lot of training to be a professional ice skater. I mean, how do you fit it all in with your orthopedic training? I wouldn't be able to like instantly go back now and skate at the level I would want to. It's a really tough sport in terms of as soon as you stop, you de-skill really quickly. And it doesn't matter sort of how much time I put into the gym to sort of stay in shape. It's a lot of it is a lot of muscle memory and reflexes and sort of innate balance that you get just from time on the ice. So I do, I try and maintain it a bit purely just for my enjoyment. Um, my wife's a coach as well. So we go and have a skate and it's kind of like something that we can do together, which is really nice. Um, so I do still go skating sort of once a month at least. But if I was going to go back and do like a one-off performance or, a, or something else, I'd need like a good couple of weeks of getting in the ring consistently to get back up. I think that's kind of the thing is just prioritizing different stuff at different times. You know, when I knew the TV show was coming up, I didn't take on locum shifts at that point. I focused on training and did what I needed to to be ready for whatever event was going to come up. You just being super modest, Tom. Like your wife won medals. She's not just like a coach. She's like top. I know she's she's way better than I could ever be. She is amazing. She's sort of like world renowned as oh yeah yeah yeah. Been mark your wife. We know yeah. She's she's fantastic. She's like the best female skater we've ever seen. I'm like no, I know. But that's easy because there's no argument there about, well, who's better? Is it you or your wife? I'm like, of course it's her. There's no question. Do you, is it something that you think, I actually, surgery's cool and everything, but I actually, I, my biggest passion and the reason that, you know, I am a, a husband and a father is actually ice skating. That's the thing that's probably central to who I am. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a massive part of who I am, absolutely. Especially because training growing up that's like the sport I did so I played a little bit of football eventually when I was I think 13 14 I had to stop playing football as much like a local club and instead just went skating I never particularly played rugby never particularly played cricket I still like love watching them but didn't ever have the time to have to have that in my life when I was younger and then the four years that I had before medical so I I went and performed sort of full-time for four years like touring and traveling and that's where I met like my closest friends. That's like you say, where I met my wife. Um, you know, the best man at my wedding was somebody that from, from, from skating and stuff. So it's a massive part of who I am. I think I, I achieved all I wanted to do in terms of like my performing side of it. So the actively me skating and me performing. 
I will always skate. Now I'm more still massively involved because my wife does coach and then I have kind of developed this kind of sports medicine side of thing. So trying to sort of be more involved in helping nurture the younger athletes coming through and providing input and advice to sort of British ice skating, which kind of runs amateur skating in the country. I still go to like the annual championships, you know, still get on well with the coaches and the sort of the bigger figures within the sport and stuff. So still have lots of sort of roles and hands on to the sport, but just not actively performing and skating myself. Between you as a, as a family, you're performing at the or involved with the, the highest levels of the sport. And then you've got a job which is also requires you to perform at like the highest levels of your job, essentially. Yeah. Like, how do you sort of reconcile the two? When I've talked about this before, like it's like that thing I was saying about prioritizing different things at different times. So, you know, if there's ARCPs coming up or like research stuff coming up, then that like gets all of my focus and that's where all my time goes. Um, I, I don't pick up any locum shifts. There's not a chance of me picking up any locum shifts at all because I value my time too much. It doesn't matter what they want to pay me. It's not worth it really. The balance we have at home kind of thing is if I'm not working, I'll be looking after the kids. And so, yeah, me and my wife will be working instead. And then I'll take leave at certain times that I then use to be involved in the skating as well. A lot of stuff is at the weekends and there is a balance to it, but I think it, it doesn't feel like hard work balancing the two of them because I enjoy both of them so much. I think that's the big thing with, with burnout. I think like getting burnout and getting down about tasks, it's more about when you take on things that you have no interest in and you, you're just going through the motions of ticking boxes. I think if you're busy doing stuff that you enjoy doing, you want to do because that's like what brings you passion and what brings you life, then although you're busy, you never feel like mentally frazzled and like, like burnt out from it because it, it's what, you know, interests you at the same time. Sort of getting away from medicine isn't necessarily just about relaxation. It's about doing something varied and having a bit of a, um, you know, doing something that you enjoy. Do you ever get any backlash from people saying that you, you're you not putting all your focus into your training as an orthopedic reg? Uh, no, and but I was that I was massively worried about that. So even when I did get the job offer, I didn't really tell anyone until I was like on the show and people realised because they saw me on TV. Um, but I had always been worried about that and then worried about coming back and people thinking, well, why did you take time off to do that and that kind of stuff. As it turned out, like that same TPD, when the show was on live, he would be going around theatres apparently, like drawing up support, like getting the theatre staff to vote for me on the show and stuff. And then like he'd send me messages going, great performance, well done, another week through. So it's it's been the opposite of what I was worried about would happen, especially because people that I wouldn't ever think had realised was on the show, like different bosses and consultants would be, oh, how did the show go? Like, did you enjoy it? Are you going to go back? So it's never been a case of like, oh, why did you do that? More so people are sort of saying, oh, would you do it again? Will you go back and do it again? So it's been surprisingly positive to it. I think, as Mabin said, it's a reflection of times are changing. I think people are appreciating more that you don't have to be that old stereotype of you are surgeon. Surgery is all you do. That's your life. I think it is much more appreciated that you'll fill your life with other stuff and there's more to life than just surgery. And those that do have more in their life, they actually are more well-rounded people and better surgeons because of it. The surgical community kind of gets very proud when they see one of their own going and do something very different, like yeah. you know, um, going on TV.
this is probably a question for both of you. Because you, you're kind of thrown into the spotlight a bit when you go on TV. Um, and you become a, a celebrity. And do you find there's a kind of pressure in that? Like, do you find it invasive? I, I never really have. And the only sort of contact and sort of like exposure I think I have to it is like Instagram. Um, so Instagram was a big thing when I did my TV show and stuff and you sort of sold yourself on Instagram and, you know, you've built a following from that and that was supposed to have helped with getting your votes through to the next round and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I still interact quite a bit with people on Instagram. I think the benefits of it being Instagram and not Twitter is it's much less toxic. Like it's generally pretty positive. There's a few weirdos, but I think there's a few weirdos everywhere out there. So you can easily block the weirdos that, that creep into your messages and stuff. Um, but I've never, I don't think it's been too bad for me. I think because I was like a face within a bigger show and there were lots of people around me kind of thing, it was, I never felt there was that sort of identified and isolated. Um, whereas it like Mabin found like his, his face on massive billboards around town and stuff. So I don't know if he's had, yeah, he's had more from it, more stick than being a United supporter as well. <laughs> from my point of view, we've not had any uh, negative, uh, you know, messages or anything. And I think, it's just been an all-round positive experience, which has been really nice. Before the show went out, you're, uh, naturally, I was worried how I would come across, how the show is going to be edited, for example, because I'm sure there were some moments where I was way more grumpier than I was shown, for example, etc. Likewise, as Tom said, me and Zeneb set up a uh, Instagram page, and that was simply because we both didn't want to get individually bombarded. Little did we know that joint page became kind of just grew arms and legs but it's been very positive I think because people just related to us so yeah there's not been any negativity um, apart from you know opposing uh, United fans who hate us <laughs> yeah. you know um, it's funny because like I watched the final and then like the day after I bumped into you in theatres and then yeah. I took a photo. I'm gonna have to take some Weybridge Mobine off the telly. <laughs> so like and that is a true story actually. I did actually just walk into him in theatres and be like, oh my god. The thing is, Mobine, you know, like Tom has got like a little bit of he can hide behind the fact that he's played doing sports at the yeah. highest possible level. Yeah. But did you ever meet any sort of backlash where people are like you want to do what you want to go on holiday to canada for two months what are you talking about so i thought that myself so when it came up to applying it was genuinely this is never going to happen it was i remember it being like december uh, one of those dark evenings bored like i finished a list just tired and uh and i expected everyone just to shut it down and you know Tom's mentioned uh, the TPD. We shared the same TPD, right? And I have to say, I have to thank Tom because of what he had done previously, actually probably set the path for me to uh, be allowed to go on the show because I think our TPD was proud of the fact that one of his trainees had gone on TV and absolutely smashed it. And then there was an opportunity for another one of his trainees to do it. So Tom has a massive part to play in this. I'm absolutely sure about that. Um, So... I don't know, maybe maybe Manchester's becoming a bit of a, a talent pool. So I said, find a show, mate. You get one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's trying to take me out. <laughs> <laughs> no, in terms of um, people having any negative comments, absolutely none. My um, AES, um, I have to give her a shout out, is Miss Naomi Davies, pediatric consultant at um, the Children's Hospital. 
I went to her very nervous, thinking, look, I've applied for this, and I've actually got through the process of the application, and they're telling me that I need to ask for time off, and I think it's becoming serious. And I expected her to just shoot it down, but she was absolutely, uh, totally the opposite. And she she went, if that's what you want to do, I'm absolutely behind this, uh, and I'll support it 100%. And then she advised me, obviously, to go speak to the TPD, and and I was like, right, fine, so-and-so is going to just shoot this down. TPD said, I'll support this. I'm absolutely fine with this. Uh, uh, but you're going to have to ask the boss at your next job. And it was at a place I'd never worked at, didn't know the boss. And I have to shout out Mr. Uh, Philip Wikes, who was my boss. And I went to meet him. And we had, you know, pleasantries. I'm looking forward to coming. And at the end, he said, have you got anything else you want to ask? And I went, yeah, I've got something to ask you in private. We were in the coffee room in, in the hospital. And I thought, and he went, all right, okay, he gets up. And I, and I thought he'd take us to his office. It was just outside one of the theatres in the corridor. For, and I said, have you heard of this show, Race Across the World? And he just smiled and he went, yes. I went, well, I've kind of applied for it and I've got kind of through the process. And the TPD said, if you let me go, I can go. And he was like, I'm sure we can find cover for you. So no one at any point said no. And it was these three people uh, that essentially allowed it to happen. Tom set the path like the year previous or whenever he did it. And yeah, it was it was just a really positive experience from the training program up here. And I, I've got nothing but praise for the leaders in the program to allow it to happen. You know, one of the most telling things actually was this comes out for a few few years ago, but we uh we had like one unified TPD for general and vascular, and I worked for this guy before he retired, and he was frankly he was terrifying, but actually he was a great trainer. He's like my favorite trainer, and hopefully we'll get him on here. But I had a friend who is um she called back to a training. Her now husband is an anaesthetist, and you know like. Every single stereotype of anaesthetist he ticks. So he spoke to his TPD when he was in core anaesthetics training. And he basically said, uh, I've got an offer to take part in a uh, cycling race. Obviously, it's a cycling race. I'm cycling <laughs> across America from the West Coast to the East Coast. Um, can I go? And they were like, that's the most anaesthetic thing ever. I'm beaming with pride. Of course you can. So you got like three months off to go cycle across the coasts. And then so she was like, she's like, oh, you know, my, I think fiance is going to go leave me for three months and I'm not going to see him. And he's just going to be cycling in because he's such like an anaesthetist. That's for him. That's his happy place. So she turned around to TBD and said, can I, can I join him? And like, he looked down the end of his glasses and, and he's like, if I could offer you one bit of advice, yeah, just do it. Just do it. I'll just sign on the dotted line. But I do need you to do me one thing, okay? If I sign you off on this, you need to find me, even if you don't go there, a list of hospitals where you might where you might spend some time just so that, you know, the, the people that be, the powers that be are satisfied that this is a, you know, like a welcome career opportunity for you. And I, I never expected this sort of old school proper of that generation for him to say, yeah, you know what, balls to go, off you go, go on, enjoy yourself. Yeah, when she said she got the approval, I was shocked. And, and I think it's, it's interesting, you've said you were shocked. Tom was uh, nervous about doing it and feeling that people may say, and I was the same. And I think we probably have these preconceived ideas that 
no, people aren't going to allow you to do these things. In fact, I think from my own experience, I've, when I've you know bought it up and I went through the process, people almost looked at it as if, oh, good on you, mate, for trying something different. Like, I wish I could do that. And that's been a common uh, remark I've heard. And it's like, you know, probably we've just gone and done it, you know, and taken that bit of risk or uh, tried something different. And I think there's something to be said about people that take up the role of a, a training programme director. They obviously care about uh, trainees coming through and they've obviously got a lot of wisdom and, and, and then they've had a lot of experience. And I think, you know, what you've just relayed is something that they've all felt, I wish I could have done something or at least I can give someone the opportunity to. So, you know, I think it's not, it's not an accident that, people like that take up these roles. I think it's for our betterment, actually. Like the fact that yeah. they they can look at us like people, not just NTN and like name on a spreadsheet yeah. and ARCP outcomes and where you're up to on the on the in the curriculum. I think times are changing as well. I think people are just want to do more than just be stuck in a hospital really. <laughs> well they often ask you in an interview, don't they? Well what do you do outside of medicine? Yeah. I mean, Tom, you just have had a very mind-blowing answer to that question. You yeah, no, probably weren't expecting that. No, it was nice because they asked me and I sort of like laid that down a bit and they're like, oh, yeah, that's that's different from the 20 triathlons that we've had since. <laughs> but I think, it's, you know, all that sort of stuff, the things that you have on the outside, and I think you hear more and more about it. Um, I got chatting to a guy who's from uh, one of the London deaneries and he was released to do an out of program experience and he did, he cycled around the world and he, and speaking to his TPD, he was like massively behind it and stuff. And I think it serves two purposes really is it keeps you interesting as a person. I think it, you know, you're a more well-rounded person because as Mabin said, you, you interact with people that aren't just medics. You, you interact as a normal person and you, it brings out like, that real person side of you that's not just an orthopod. So I think yeah. that exposing yourself to that different thing is is fantastic. And it refreshes you to, you know, have that bit of a release valve because just having that other thing that was a passion of theirs or a hobby of theirs that they could go and do and detach themselves from work meant that they could then return back to work and their high-pressure leadership role refreshed and ready to sort of like tackle it. So I think it's massively important and I think it's really good that that culture is changing that it's more and more if not um, just sort of like allowed but encouraged by all sorts of different subspecialties I came back out of research I've just been out doing research for, for a while and I came back in to program and I asked initially for an extension um, just so I could finish doing what I was doing and I was denied so I said look I still have some data collections to do and then my TBD at the time who's sort of changed hands said okay, how about this? How about you go less than full-time and then this one day a week can do data collection? I was like, okay, that's pretty sweet. So then it turns out the data collection I need to do, I need to be physically present, but I only need to be there for like half a day. So essentially, and I've got like half an afternoon where I'm I'm not going to ever be in clinic. I'm not going to ever be in theatre. So I have taken a pay cut, but on this afternoon, I started doing piano lessons as an adult and uh, I love it. Like, it's really, really good. And it's a thing that they always say you should never do. Don't ever learn piano as an adult. You're far too old. For me, it's almost, it's it's intellectually stimulating and taxing in a new, different way, if that makes sense. And um, i got to tell you, being less than full-time and even just being afforded the opportunity, which is not what it was intended for, but I have got the time to do it. It's just, it's great. I feel like 
I've reclaimed a little bit of sense of self just by this one thing. Yeah, I think I think that now that less than full time is more available in theory. Once the initial people have been through it, because I think there's there's um, a guy in our training program as well that's gone to less than full time. Once it's been established as yeah, it works all right. You know, you take a bit of a cut in your pay. It doesn't necessarily prolong your training, depending on what you meet numbers wise and stuff. I think more and more so it will become something that people pursue because more and more we appreciate now that you know the job isn't everything like I don't really stress too much about the job because I really enjoy it I'm happy to do it but if anything was to happen where I couldn't do it anymore like there's other stuff I can do I enjoy be fine you know you're right you're so right because like someone said to me something like how do you feel as like a less than full-time trainee I was like well, I might be a less than full-time trainee or whatever, but I'm a full-time human and I've got to do <laughs> the human bits sometime. I don't just turn up to this, 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 do this, 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 this. Like there's bits of my life I want to enjoy. I don't just want to get to the end of my career and someone goes, okay, right, retirement time, time to go in the nursing home. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait one second. When do I get to do the stuff I said I would do? So I think, yeah, it's really like, it's really important that we make time for it. But I think we should go to some real, real chat, heavy chat. Have any of these things, these activities, changed either of you, changed your outlook on surgery as a whole? I think I'll echo what Tom just said. If someone was to tell me tomorrow that, oh, that's it, your surgical career's over, I don't think I'd be particularly upset, like, because I've developed other interests. And in fact, I probably look to be someone who's a bit, uh, multifaceted in that re- in that way. Um, so what Tom just said there, I absolutely agree with him. So if it's done, it's that's what it's done for me. It's it's given me other purposes, and it's not just made me only a surgeon. That's just one part of me now. Yeah, I think the the experience I went through with the TV show, like in terms of perspective, shifted two things. So. The first is, is like we've just sort of spoke about then is in terms of like a shift of perspective in terms of what's important for you and what's like crucially vital to you as a person and, you know, less of a focus on the on surgery. You've got to do surgery and there's nothing else. But the other thing is that on the TV show and like in TV in general, it's all very fake and it's all very artificial, especially in that like celebrity sort of scripted drama kind of thing. Um, you you can't ever really like trust what any of the producers are telling you and like any of the staff members they're constantly like blowing smoke up your ass in terms of that was amazing that was fantastic you're doing great and you're like I'm pretty sure I'm not I'm pretty sure that was pretty bad and you just can't everything's so like artificial and you get sucked into that but once you realize that it is all a bit fake and a bit real you crave a bit of substance and a bit of actual meaning because it can it can it could at times feel like really meaningless in terms of what you were doing because um whereas when i would because i was occasionally still locuming during the tv show when i'd go back into work in nhs no one's sugarcoating anything there like if it's if it's shit it's shit like you're being told (laughs) aren't you really like if stuff's bad people are going to complain about it and tell you and then the appreciation you have for like making such an actual difference to somebody's life with surgery like is massive my experience is really eye-opening in terms of appreciating the massive impact the real impact that we do have on people uh, and appreciating that for what it is. Is it fair to say 
that like absence makes the heart grow fonder. Like you taking time away from that has rejuvenated your love and your passion for surgery. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Like I came back into the program so refreshed and ready and excited to like progress. And I think that's really helped because now I'm like happy to like pursue projects I want to do. And you're like, yes, there's tick boxes to do, but I, I look at those tick boxes and fill them in the ways that I want to fill them, the ways that, you know, make me feel good about the job I'm doing and make me want to like make an impact on stuff. What about you, Mabin? Yeah, I mean, I think I said it earlier. Like, if if you take a if you take a step out of what you're doing and you and and you're up and you do it at a point where you're burnt out, it, it is refreshing, as Tom said. It, it brings back perspective, um, and it makes you makes you want to do it again. If anything, um, so yeah, I, I felt the same. I was ready to come back when after two months out, I was I was looking forward to it, um, but what. What it did was it 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 made me realise that you you've got to take time out and or make sure you have other things going on as well because if you get too heavily focused on uh, work and it becomes just work it, it, like any profession you're gonna it, it becomes a bit too much and a bit of a grind and we all obviously went into the field of medicine and surgery and whatnot because at some point we enjoyed it. And that can get lost at times. Uh, and yeah, uh, I suppose what I can say is taking time out really just helps you refocus and enjoy or look forward to uh, coming back sometimes. It almost sounds like we need to sometimes make a date night with surgery. You've just got to like get into the romance of it again. We'll rekindle the flame that once brought us here. Look, some of you have well, a pair of you have, uh, are quite developed in your extracurricular activities. You know, I'm sure you've got social media profiles that are quite sizable. Um, Tom, you've got a, an actual entire career stream that you could do completely outside of medicine. If you, if those took off in a big way to the point where you could almost do them as jobs, would you still want to be a surgeon, either of you? It sounds like such a loser thing to say, but I just really like surgery. I love them bones, man. <laughs> oh, you took my line. <laughs> you author a line that will forever live on. Like, I just enjoy surgery. No, you know, I like that part. I, I think that I don't see any reason why not being able to, like, combine the two, like, bringing the two together yeah. in different ways and, like, using one side to, you know, power the other one and stuff and... Yeah, moving into like sports injury stuff, and if they've still got um, like a media profile at the same time, fantastic. That can't be harmful. Be great for public for private practice. What can you say? So, <laughs> I mean, and they were saying like if, if surgery disappeared, fine, there'd be the other stuff to do. But when surgery still there as an option, it will always be the number one option for me. I totally agree. I'd say the same thing. Um, I enjoy my job. Really enjoy orthopedics. It's the it's the best uh, surgical specialty, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> what I learned was, and having spent two months with people that aren't surgeons or doctors, and literally got out of the bubble, is that everyone is working at the end of the day, and you need to do that no matter what it is. And everyone's trying to pro- progress in their own field. So it may seem that the grass is always greener. But is it actually? And I, and I don't think it is. I think we actually do an amazing job. And 
I still, no, I don't think there's many out there that beats beat surgery for me. So it's a privilege at the end of the day, and it, and it still feels that way. And I feel that more now, having had that experience. I think it's really easy, especially in the current climate, to get disheartened about medicine and feel like everyone's against us. There's no respect for the job at all kind of thing. But I think that the more that you spend with with normal people, for you know, want of a better phrase, um, the more you appreciate that we do have a pretty decent job. Tom mentioned that he took that year out after core training. I had a similar situation where I hadn't got my number after core training. And actually, I remember quite vividly people telling me at the time, uh, you know, when you talk about, oh, should I take time out? As if he had a choice. I didn't have a choice in the end. It just ha- so happened I didn't get a number. But people would say, no, don't do it. You'll lose skills. You just learn how to open, close, etc. whatever it may be. Put a DHS in or do an anastomosis. And that that was only three, four years ago. People were saying that, you know. Um, and I had that year out. I didn't feel like I lost any skills. I didn't do any nights. I made a point of not doing any nights and I felt refreshed. So I think that experience of having that year of uh, not being on the wrong core rotor, et cetera, probably encouraged me to take that two months out, knowing actually you don't really lose your skills once you've learned them. It's like riding a bike, and I don't say that like like just flippantly. It is actually just right. Once you've learned how to throw sutures, tie knots, it comes back very quickly. So, you know, if people are worried about that aspect of it, I wouldn't, I don't think it is a worry at all. Like, take time out, like, you're not going to lose your skills, and if you if you feel like you are, you've got people will support you when you're back. I think that is something that people get scared of, but certainly talking to people like you who have taken some time out, um, I think you're right that the skills don't go away. They might become a bit rusty, but they you know you brush off the rust quite quickly. I think people are recognising that. That's it. That's your cue for a holiday, Jamie. Go and pack your bags. I might not come back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.